Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. There is no shortage of action going on with our partners at BetOnline.ag. The NBA is right around the corner, and right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play. And BetOnline has the best odds and lines for their upcoming games and matches. Need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day. BetOnline also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit BetOnline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. Another episode of the Bird Calls podcast. I'm your host and contributor to the Bird Rights and Bleacher Report, Preston Ellis. Today, we're going to be speaking with Houston Rockets head video coordinator and Rio Grande Valley Vipers assistant coach, Devin Blair. But first, I'm excited to talk to our friend, Coach Mike G, Mr. Do It Moving. Uh, I'm actually really pumped because I, we just spoke off the air. He always brings like sort of this infectious energy and positivity. Um, before we start having some fun, I, I feel like we just talked about this off air, but I, I know our listeners are interested as well. How are you? Is everything well? Uh, this this pandemic obviously is, is blasting through the entire country. How is it affecting you? Yeah, at the end of the day, uh, I'm healthy. My family's healthy. You know, I'm able to continue to build on my own self-being and, and those around me. I'm still able to, to feed my family as well. So at the end of the day, if I'm waking up every day being able to take vertical steps that's that's really all that matters to me so things are good man you know you just got to kind of roll with the punches all right i'm gonna go ahead and follow up before i let ali get in there because we we didn't talk uh off air about who was gonna go first so uh <laughs> before we get into the basketball stuff i, I want to start with the important things obviously we talked about the pandemic uh so glad that you and yours are are safe and happy but we also want to talk about this Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, in the past month or so, it really gained steam, a lot of positive momentum. But now we're getting back to basketball. And when we get back to basketball, people want to talk about basketball. How do you, as an Asian American, and plus you have such great association with so many African-American players, how do you personally keep this conversation going? I think the now cliche statement for majority of society is 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 silence is violence. Meaning, if you if you if we're not having conversation and continuous dialogue about what's going on and, and trying to educate ourselves and and learn about what's really the underlying factors of totality, the violence that's happening, the police brutality, then we're failing our future. We're failing our kids. We're failing. I'm married to a black woman, so 
obviously it's hit, it's hitting more close to home than if it weren't, if I weren't married to a black woman. And it's just making me more encouraged to educate myself and those around me. So I think as long as we're continuing to try to talk about it, try to learn, try to, to bring these ideas to light and, and be open to them and not, not get offended by this conversation, things could actually be moving forward. So um, this is definitely something that, that hits very close to me in my home and my heart. And like you said, mainly, I don't know, 95% of the people that I work with are black. So uh, this is a very important issue that we must never turn a, a blind eye to. Yeah, Mike, this is obviously a very important part of the NBA restart in Orlando to where the players were really demanding. And, of course, they didn't have to wait long because Adam Silver is very progressive along with the rest of the league in meeting uh, whatever socially needs to be done, right? They've always taken the seemingly correct path. But are you happy with what you're hearing? And, for instance, you know, we're going to see the the courts are going to be painted with Black Lives Matter um, emblems on, on the sidelines. The players are going to be wearing certain gear uh, instead of on the back of their jerseys. But is there anything you would like to see more, perhaps, um, whether it's in production on ESPN? or Do you have any ideas? You know, that's a really deep, in-depth question that I think requires significant reflection that I am not prepared to express as of right now. But what I will say is the fact that the NBA is making efforts in trying to, again, like we just talked about, educate and, and, and put at the forefront in front of millions of Americans' lives as well as worldwide, you know, they are trying to be proactive in this social issue and social injustice. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, decorating the, the, the courts with BLM, hashtag BLM, and, and allowing the players to put uh, social injustice, maybe phrases on their jersey versus their last name, I speak volumes. And I think that it, it, if some people aren't necessarily happy or satisfied with that, it, it starts with a step forward. And I think that's definitely a positive step at that. So let's continue yeah. to push that envelope. Let's continue to, to make these, these different types of changes in support of these movements and I think it's just going to inspire more and more people to continue to follow suit. Yeah, speaking yeah, let me of- ask, Preston, oh. let, Preston, let me ask a quick follow-up. Yeah, Mike, I, I kind of put you on a spot there because we ourselves have asked, you know, what else we would like to see, what kind of action, what could be done with these telecasts. But look, I'll make it real easy for you. Do you feel like, as on a personal level, with the games restarting in Orlando, do you think this will serve as a distraction from the BLM movement? So since you're asking this question, I'd be more than happy to answer. I didn't want to express this answer unless it was asked upon me, but we're, we're talking personally from my, uh, my mind. I think that there should be no sports at this moment. I think that we should all be focused on the human issues at hand. I understand that sports do bring society together and, and create brotherhood and sisterhood and it's a common worldwide language that a lot of people find joy out of. I get that. But in my opinion, I think there are too many individuals whom may disagree with the NBA restart that are kind of being put in a, a, a very tough predicament. And do I stand up for this social injustice and kind of continue to 
fight the good fight or do I support my teammates and, 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 and my coaches and go play because this is what a lot of people want us to do. So mm-hmm. it, it's a really sticky situation for the guy, the players, the athletes to be in, the coaches to be in because maybe the, the, the more important issue at hand is obviously what's happening to in, in our society and sport definitely will not be extinct. It would just be put on hold in place for something a little bit more, a little bit, a lot of bit more important uh, at, at, at the current times, let alone, let's just talk about health. You know what I mean? We're also risking people's um, health in terms of just trying to navigate the, 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 the societal pressure of COVID-19 and basically just getting back to their families healthy and hopefully um, better than ever. So, you know, in my opinion, I think sport is the last thing we should be thinking about right now. Yeah, I think that's fair. A lot of us share the same sentiment uh, with everything going on. It, it seems like a, as difficult as this is to say, and I know that uh, our listeners are split on it, but sports is not essential right now. I understand the monetary aspect and I understand the escapism that it provides for all of us. And we're all going to tune in and we're all going to enjoy the product. But I certainly understand that sentiment. Even Shake Milton of the Philadelphia 76ers came out today and said he didn't think it was a good idea. Brandon Ingram said he didn't think it could uh, be pulled off. Let's let's steer away from the health aspect of it and focus a bit more on the Black Lives Matter movement. Lauren Holiday, who we consistently refer to uh, simply as Drew Holiday's wife, but if I can just rattle off her statistics, uh, two-time Olympic gold medalist, FIFA Women's World Cup champion and named all-star of that tournament. She earned U.S. Soccer Female Athlete of the Year in 2014. That's just five, six years ago. So, so I want to preface this by saying this is one of the greatest female athletes we have in our country, of course. Now she's since retired and a uh, proud mother. Uh, she's pregnant. She had a great article last week on the Players' Tribune. Talk about that conversation you had with Drew and Lauren as all this information uh, was coming out, both with her pregnancy and with her story. So the story is one that I'm very familiar with. Uh, She referred to many instances where Drew and Lauren have experienced uh, racism, point blank period, right in front of your face. And um, to to see her go public with those stories and to speak so eloquently within that article really sent chills down my back. And even as I reflect on the story, everybody that I know, you know, shot me a text or, or commented through social media, like how, how powerful and how influential that story was. So um, these are the types of things that help people want to go into the direction of education and trying to learn about what it is that we're up against. And I think that those are the types of things that need to be happening from leaders and, and whether they're athletic leaders, entertainment leaders, political leaders, what have you. Um, this is something that needs to keep happening over and over again. And uh, I, I love her to death for that. And I, and I think that if anyone hasn't looked at that story, they need to do themselves a favor, take a seven minute window of time and, and check that article out on the Players' Tribune. It was, it was very powerful. Yeah, if you guys don't, and I'm talking to you guys, the listeners, if don't know that Mike is really close to Lauren and Drew, well, that should give you all the clue right there. Mike, with let's jump back to COVID now. Thanks, Preston. <laughs> How worried are you about Drew going to Orlando for what could be, you know, up to two and a half months? Yeah. I, I'm more worried for, 
obviously I'm worried about the COVID-19 situation. I think that what has made me worry less is the fact that he is probably one of the most healthy, fit human beings that I know personally. So if the facts are the facts, generally speaking, COVID is of less effective towards those types of individuals mm-hmm. and even asymptomatic at that. But he, what is he coming home to? You know, he's coming home to a three-year-old daughter and potentially a still pregnant wife with their unborn child. So it's mm-hmm. like, those are the types of things that I'm thinking about. It's like, how do we manage and, and, and continue to manipulate the environment to, to keep everyone protected? But in terms of him personally, I think he's going to be fine. He isn't much of a, uh, I don't know how you would say, lack of a better phrase, he doesn't really go out too much. He'll probably uh, stay within the confines of his hotel room. You know, he'll go to practice, he'll play, and that's pretty much about it. So he's not going to be too much out and about. And then we have a very communicative relationship. As soon as he feels any type of um, symptoms or any craziness, obviously the Pelicans medical staff will be there and then then whatever he wants to to share with me. So um, I think he'll be just fine in terms of, his own personal physical health. Now, Mike, uh, we've talked about physical health, and I think we've talked about mental health uh, on a previous podcast with you. However, that's going to be critical here, and he even confessed that in a press conference a few days ago. Uh, the the NBA players like Drew Holiday are going to face what they've never faced before, this quarantine-style living situation separated from his wife for what you said could be multiple months of a really important time of both of their lives. How do you keep it in his ear? How do you keep him positive and strong uh, mm. through the mental aspect of it? That's a great question, and, and I'd like some suggestions from anyone who's willing to offer. What <laughs> I do know is, is <laughs> a lot of FaceTiming, right? You guys are probably going to FaceTime all the time, huh? There it is. That, that's exactly what I was about to to, to kind of lead into is just consistent communication, making sure that you're always cognizant and sensitive to to, to being too much of a of a communicative burden, if you will. But but what I would say is just just knowing that he has support from multiple avenues outside of his family. I mean, I would consider myself his brother, but, you know, within his own specific family circle of, of, of Lauren, his mom, his dad, his brothers, you know, you got me, you got his, his close friends from California. And, and we're just always trying to make sure that to let him know that we're there for him and, and continue to bring him positive energy and in, in, in any shape or form that we have available to us. And that's pretty much all we can do. Right. That's, 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 you know, that's it. Mike, do you feel happy about the kind of condition that Drew left you in, in terms of, I have to assume that physically, you know, you guys probably had him as though ready to start a brand new season, right? But um, just in general, how do you feel about Drew basically just, you know, ramping up all of a sudden, jumping in the game action, having to deal with all sorts of pressures as being a team leader? How do you personally feel and how would you grade him? Do you think he's really, really prepared or probably still needs a little work. And I, I don't know. Yeah. I'll let you take over here. Perfect. Yeah. I think he is uh, overprepared in terms of physical. He has put in countless hours during this suspension of the season. He really took a firm and steady and stern approach on his training, on his diet and spending wholesome quality time with his family, which obviously is a part of the mental component. So the work that was done during NBA suspension was 
I don't know if it could have gone any better. I, I'm very pleased. And I've spoken to assistant coaches, security guards that are all close with the team and seeing him every day. And they have all raved about his physical condition. So all, all that does is bring, bring a smile ear to ear for me because mm-hmm. that just lets me know and further validates we did a good job. Um, again, mental component, mental piece. How does Drew feel about even going back? How does he feel about leaving his 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 family, his pregnant wife? I'm, I'm sure you guys can could can connect the dots with that. It's it's a it's a tough situation because mm-hmm. we spoke about it earlier. You have your teammates and your coaches and your city relying on you to do the things that you need to do prior to this NBA suspension, but also you have your heart, which is your family, back at home in LA trying to to live life as normal as possible. So, you know, you got your heart being tugged in different directions and, and, and opposite directions. And I can only assume how he feels and how he's able to cope with those types of things. But to, to give people a little bit of ease, every day that I've spoken to him, he's sounded upbeat. He sounded like he's in a great mood. His, his temperament is very nice. You know, when guys are short with you, you already know, how they feel mentally and when guys are talkative you know how they feel mentally as well so he's been very talkative he's been very descriptive shoot sometimes when he don't want to talk he'll just not pick up the phone and 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 I just got (laughs) to keep keep buzzing his line until he finally picks up but he's been very responsive to me so that just further validates that he's in a good place mentally so that's what I'm going to believe Speaking of uh, what place we are mentally right now, uh, the Pelicans have a really important decision on the team option of Darius Miller. And of course, coming back from that injury, we were all kind of hoping that the Pelicans could get a glimpse of what he's able to do, what kind of condition he is, uh, he is in. Uh, however, he's going to be staying at home. Uh, talk about the decision uh, to, to keep him back at home. How is he doing? Uh, and has the team been able to uh, sort of assess his rehabilitation and where does he stand with that? The decision that he chose to make as regards to his personal um, opinion on whether or not to go to Orlando, and obviously it was a family decision, was one that did not include my opinion nor uh, my dialogue. I found out just like everyone else did, and that was through, um, you know, news. Mm-hmm. So for me, that that wasn't bittersweet, wasn't bitter or sweet. For me, it was he knows himself better than anyone on this planet and he's going to make the, the the best decision for him and his family. And that's it for me. Like, that's how you feel. Millie, we, I call him Millie. That's, that's how I feel. I'm always going to err on the side of the player and no one else. And if that's how he feels is going to better himself in for the future or for future endeavors, I'm cool with that. Like I'll ride with you and I'll support that decision wholeheartedly. Um, in terms of the work, again, not one stone was left unturned throughout the entire NBA suspension. He and I worked every single day, Monday through Friday, not counting Saturdays and Sundays. And we were able to do things that, as you guys know, Achilles rupture is probably one of the worst injuries an athlete can mm-hmm. sustain. And we had him running, sprinting full speed, six months post-op. So... That, for me, is something that's not unprecedented, but it's very, very, very rare. I had him jump in. I had him doing things that he said, he, he verbalized, I, I wasn't doing this before I hurt myself. I feel better before I hurt myself. I'm moving better before I hurt myself. So 
it's a it's a good opportunity to 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 reverse engineer break the body back down and then build it back up into quality movement habits and and that's exactly what we did i was hopeful that i'd get to see him play this summer if the, the nba season resumes but again i didn't expect that so in regards mm-hmm. to millie and the future uh, i'm not sure like i don't even know what his contract situation is i'm not sure what that's going to even look like for 2021 season but what i do know is is he's fully rehabilitated fully uh he is um doing things that he's never done before physically and i'm excited for 2021 season when it rolls around mike i'm telling you're a miracle worker and yet here's proof of more to that story (laughs) i mean that that's great news that's honestly fabulous i can't wait now to actually see darius next time he can go up and down the court in front of a camera yes sir Yes, sir. So, yeah, that sounds that bodes really well if he's running already that quickly and doing a lot of stuff that usually athletes aren't doing at that stage. Listen, Mike, I know that I don't want you to comment on what maybe the other players were doing, but word is that, you know, J.J. Redick worked really hard. There's been pictures circulating, of course, how toned Zion looks. I know that you're not a basketball analyst per se, but you do follow the team very closely. How confident are you in that, A, maybe they'll do really well in Orlando in terms of these upcoming eight games? And do you think there's a good chance they can pick up where they left off the season, where they had one, you know, 22 or 36 games, or were were really trending in the right direction? I know that Drew Holiday is going to be ready. (laughs) I know that if – I know that everyone experienced the quarantine, meaning it's an even playing field. Everybody. Didn't have a gym to go to. Everyone didn't have weights to lift. Not everyone had a coach, Mike G, or a personal trainer training them every day. But they they made, hopefully they made with what they had. And it's going to show with these scrimmages. I'm not sure if they're going to be televised or, or what type of media coverage is going to be there. But it's going to show with these scrimmages. And obviously, come July 31st, we're going to get a, a decent idea of what type of product is going to mm-hmm. be put forth to the public. So... Me, that my, my point being is that what's uh, critically separating the Pelicans' preparedness and, and, and ready to pick up where they left off versus everyone else's ability to, to pick up ready right where they left off. And that mm-hmm. all depends on how hard were these guys working out and staying in shape, not even staying in shape, getting better. Because Drew and I got better. D-Mill and I got better. We didn't stay in shape. We got better. So mm-hmm. who got better? And, and I think that's going to be the litmus test within these scrimmages and, and first couple games uh, out of the nine is you're going to see exactly who was working. And I think that that's when you ask that question, what are the expectations of Pelicans? Again, what, we see Zion looks great. We see J.J. Reddick looks great. We see people Mike, you saw that picture? In work. Mike, did you oh, see that looks, picture of Zion? <laughs> he, he looks like a freaking linebacker. His shoulders are cut and defined. He looks, he looks phenomenal with the mask, right? The one with the mask. Yes. Yeah, he looks phenomenal. So clearly he's been working. And, and um, that is very hopeful for Pelicans fans. That is very hopeful for the city of New Orleans because guess what? One of the best athletes on the floor may be even better. Matter of fact, probably is better. So you do the math, right? Mm-hmm. All right, Mike, I got to let you go or the wife's going to kill me. Uh uh, Drew Holiday, our B-Ball Index stat of the day. We're going to go through this real fast. Uh, you talk about his uh, his athleticism and his relentless motor. Uh, 
uh, he ranks in the 90th percentile and better in, uh, let's see, a shot profile, deterrence, uh, interior defense. That's a, a reflection of his muscle uh, and, and, and uh, guarding bigger, stronger players. Uh, passing lane defense in addition to uh, ranking in the 96th percentile in matchup difficulty in every game. Wow. Uh, so that's your wow. guy. Uh, we've got a ton more of those. But coming up next, we've got Devin Blair of the Houston Rockets. Coach, thanks so much for your time, man. So glad to hear you and yours are, are healthy and well. Personally, you know, you guys are always going to be close to my heart. I really appreciate you guys and uh, stay safe and keep finding a good fight. Oh, before I let you go, I had one last thing. Uh, hold on. I, okay, so I saw you recently on the PGAF, uh, uh, the PJF podcast. There it is. When yeah. are we getting a, a do it moving pod? It's coming. Oh, yeah. uh, and I know you, I know you've been on my case about <laughs> getting this thing going because you even sent me a mic and I, and you know what? You didn't have to do that, but you're, that's just a testament to who you are. Um, it, it's just about finding the right moment to launch. Um, we're, we're in the, in the, in the preparation phases of just getting everything together. I just got a lot of projects going on. It's not that when it's going to be done it's it's not that if it's going to be done it's, it's when it's going to be done so it's coming it's coming sounds awesome. good all right coming up next devin blair oh god those are the screams i used to make when i'd cut myself shaving you know where but that was before manscaped thanks manscaped for turning my loud shrieks into multiple peaks look who here doesn't get nervous about grooming their man parts and that's why manscaped created the lawnmower 3.0 beautifully designed to reduce those painful nicks and tugs the Manscaped engineering team obsesses over technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your family jewels. So many people have written in stories about how the Lawnmower 3.0 has changed their lives. They even included pics so I could see the smoothness for myself, and they aren't kidding. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Black lives matter, and we're continuing to do our part here at The Bird Calls. That's why we've created the Armchair All-American Scholarship. Thanks to contributions from Armchair, myself, Music is My Refuge, R. Anders 36, Andrew Juge, Ralph Malbro, and many more, Armchair Media will be issuing four $500 scholarships per semester to aspiring black creatives. The criteria is African-American, under 21, and in a creative field. To apply, send something you've created, whether photography, art, music, anything, to scholarship at armchairallamericans.com. We can't wait to see your application. Let me get to Sundarius Thornwell. That's the reason I asked you to come on. Thanks for giving me your time. Uh, can you tell me a bit about your first impressions when you guys began working together? Yeah, I know. I mean, with, with Sin, you know, you come in, he obviously has NBA experience. Um, and so you kind of you kind of realize that right away because he just holds himself a little bit differently than everyone. Um, so it, it was, it was good having a pro around right from the jump. And we were actually fortunate. We had a, we had a few pros, um, granted he had the most experience out of anyone. Um, but we did have Ray Spalding who, you know, had a cup of coffee, uh, drawn blossom game, had a cup of coffee, but sin definitely had the most experience, but he was also coming in with a chip on his shoulder. Cause he thought he did everything it took for him to make the team in Cleveland. So he was coming in pretty motivated, um, but still carrying himself as, as a professional, which was, which was great, especially in the G league. Yeah, it sounds good. Uh, sounds like uh, he came in there and gave you guys a good veteran presence. Um, let's, let's yeah. talk a bit about what he does on the floor. If you don't mind, uh, 
does a bit of everything. Uh, I know you focus on offensive strategies as part of your role of the video coordinator with the Houston Rockets, but what were your impressions of what he brings to the offensive side of the floor? You know, he's, he's primarily a defender, right? We know that. Um, and that's definitely going to be his, his niche in the NBA, but, but offensively he shoots it a little better than some people think, especially if he has his feet set in the corners. Um, you know, he does struggle if it's, you know, off the dribble, something like that. We, we tried to encourage him to, to take the best shots possible. And when he started doing that this season, he, uh, he started doing much better in terms of his percentage. Strong enough to get downhill, not quite as athletic as he was when he first came into the league, um, but still strong enough to go down and finish, finish through contact. So definitely he was better offensively. I think than I anticipated just coming into the season, just knowing his, his calling card as a, as a defender. Um, but I think ultimately in the NBA, it's going to be, he's going to be three and D right. And that's what the Pelicans are going to need. He needs to provide a defensive presence. And if he can hit an open three, then that's going to be, you know, a plus side for him. Do you mind uh, if I follow up quickly? You said not as athletic as when he got into the league. Uh, Is there some kind of significant injury that I'm missing out on? You know, I think he did tweak his ankle with us uh, a couple times this year, and I think he might have done the same thing in Cleveland. Um, So it kind of just always nagged him all season with us. And you could, it was like, I think it was our scrimmage. I think it was our first scrimmage of the year. Starting the year, he rolled his ankle pretty bad. And, you know, he's such a tough guy that he wants to play through it. So I think all year, I don't think he ever got fully healthy on that ankle um, because he wanted to keep playing. He wanted to keep proving himself to try to get that call up. So I understand it. Uh, but I think it did nag him a little bit more than he would let the coaching staff know. Uh, so I do think that kind of hurt his explosiveness. It definitely got better throughout the season. Uh, there's a couple dunks toward the end of the year, like, um, you know, the old, old sin. So hopefully now that he's had some time off, uh, everything is, is back to normal. Yeah. I think uh, it's the NBA equivalent of a full off season, the full four months. I don't know exactly how many days Seriously. it's been. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been 90 or so days. Uh, you briefly addressed about uh, what he does on the defensive end and why the Pelicans uh, would, would want him uh, in that role. And I know that you worked with Jeff Bezelik, uh in Houston uh, briefly, I think from 2018 and 19, I'm not sure if he coached the whole season or if that was the year he came in with January, but basically Sin's not going to have much time to get up to speed, and Jeff Bezelik is not even going to be there with him in, in Orlando. Uh, what do you think the learning curve will be like for somebody like Sindarius, and, and how quickly does he assimilate information? Uh, Sin's super smart when it comes to, to basketball IQ. Um, and I think that's kind of what puts him a step ahead of a lot of guys. But defensively, he's going to be perfectly fine. He'll fit right in, I think, honestly, offensively too, because... Alvin Gentry is obviously, you know, from the D'Antoni tree and, and that's what we ran in RGV as well. So offensively, he's going to fit right in, but defensively, it'll, it'll be easy because we use the same principles that Bizdelic used in Houston. So I, I was with, uh, with coach Bizdelic for, uh, every year he was there. I was there. So what was that? Two and a half years, I guess it was. Um, so we use, we use that same principle in RGV. We switch one through five primarily. I know new Orleans doesn't do that exclusively now. 
um, you know, the, they'll fight through some stuff and they're a little more traditional than they used to be, but they still mix in a lot of one through four switching and sin can guard one through four for sure. He could guard some fives depending on what the matchup is. Um, and obviously there might be a few ones that are a little too fast for him, but he's physical enough, strong enough, smart enough to be able to move his body to cut off those angles. So one through four, he'll be, he'll be perfectly fine. And I think he's smart enough that he'll be able to pick it up right away. Now he's obviously been out of the NBA for, for a year and he played uh, well for Rio this year, but obviously that's, that's a major adjustment going straight from the G league to the NBA, especially uh, the Pelicans are going to be playing the most critical uh, games of their season. Uh, If he is pressed into action, what is that adjustment like for a G league player who, who hasn't seen regular NBA minutes in a long time? You know, I think, I think the adjustment level is less now than it used to be maybe even a couple of years ago. And, and me being a first year assistant in, in the G league this year, I, I didn't really know that until I actually got, you know, into the trenches with it. The speed of the G league obviously isn't as high as the NBA, right? But it's getting pretty close now, right? Those you're starting G league players. They're borderline rotation players in the NBA now. So the level is is getting pretty close. So I don't think it's going to be as big of a jump than it used to be. So I think Sin's going to be fine in that regard. Now, obviously, it depends on who has he been working out with. Um, you know, since then, has, has he been able to get in the gym with some NBA guys? Um, you know, obviously, trying to be following in the the guidelines as much as possible. But I'm guessing there was rules probably bent somewhere um, just to stay ready. So hopefully he's been playing with NBA level talent. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I, I think him having had, I don't know how many professional games he played in the NBA, probably 200, something like that. Maybe just under 200. I think it, it'll be easy for him to just jump right back in. I, I'm not too worried about that at all for him. Nice. I think it's somewhere around 130, uh, 135. Okay. If, if you wouldn't yeah. mind, coach, can you share with me some kind of a personal antidote, maybe like a, a fun story or something that can get Pelicans fans uh, excited about not just Sindarius on the floor, but also the guy off the floor. Sin loves candy. And I mean, <laughs> like he has a sweet tooth. He, he loves like junk type of food. That's, that's just what he loves. And then actually, uh, it was actually our last road trip of the year. Um, the coaching staff just wanted to, you know, just have a little fun with him. So we went, you know, those like, uh, I, I forgot what they're called, like everything but sugar or I don't know, whatever the all candy store. And so we went in and bought sin, like, a, I think it was like a two pound sour patch kid or something <laughs> like that. And we presented it to him after our game. Cause we, we knew he was probably going to play well against uh, Stockton. So we presented to him after the game and he got a, he got a nice kick out of that and, and appreciated that we were, we were looking out for him. So, uh, he's a good guy. I mean, he likes to have fun. He likes to joke around. Um, and he's the, the great thing about him. He's always the same, right? It doesn't matter if, if, you know, he played bad or he's on the verge of a call up, right. Which happened a lot this year. You know, we'd get, phone calls from different different teams asking about him he's always the same right he just loves to play he said multiple times this year like being in rgv 
um, you know, with our staff, with, with our team was some of the most fun he's ever had in basketball. You know, obviously it's not the NBA, right. And that, that was an adjustment period, but once he, once he got used to it and, you know, kind of relished in the opportunity, he had a lot of fun and, and that's what sins sins always about. So he's a good guy, likes to have fun, but, but when you get in between the lines, he's going to work his butt off. That's awesome. This has been great stuff. And uh, I, if, if I can, uh, I'll just ask you one more and then I'll let you get out of here. Uh, what do you yeah, think about sure. this uh, about this bubble? What do you think about the viability of it? Brandon Ingram said the other day he doesn't think it's going to work. What are your thoughts on it? You know, I think I think it's going to work as as best as it possibly can. The NBA, I don't think, would would do it if they were knowingly putting anyone at risk. Um, yeah, I, I won't be, I won't be going to the bubble right away. I might, I might get to join a little bit later on once they start allowing other staff members in, but I myself have, would have zero reservations in going, um, the NBA is going to do the best they can. And I don't think anything's going to be perfectly safe. I think that's a little foolish to think, um, but they're going to do everything they can do. And they've done as much research as possible to make it as safe for everybody Um, because the last thing they need is for it to go South and get everyone down there. And there's an outbreak and they have to cancel the season again. So they're doing everything in their power to avoid that. And I think ultimately it it will be a success and everything will be fine. Once they get playing, it's going to be a little weird. Obviously you're already seeing the meals posted players complaining a little bit. You're going to have that. And the NBA knows that obviously going in, um, but once everyone gets used to it, once everyone gets down there, the quarantine is, is effectively over after the first couple of days, then I think, you know, it'll be normal. And I think it's going to be a unique opportunity for the NBA to, to show a different side of their players, right? Obviously the, the social activism is going to be on the forefront, but they're also going to get to, to show some other things, right? Some more behind the scenes things um, that maybe the normal fan wouldn't get to see just given uh, how the games are going to be played and, and the access, you know, being in a hotel that long, there's going to be media there. So I think it's going to be good. Uh, obviously, hopefully everything goes out, goes on without a hitch. Um, but obviously we'll see probably in the next couple of weeks. listening to the bird calls on the armchair all-american network if you like what you're hearing please take a moment to rate us on itunes retweet share with your friends and most importantly subscribe today there is no shortage of action going on with our partners at betonline.ag the nba is right around the corner and right now ufc boxing nascar and international soccer have all resumed play and betonline has the best odds and lines for their upcoming games and matches need more BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day. BetOnline also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit BetOnline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts.